Hey, this is John Deke, continuing with 25 Years of the Very Young Composers, a program of the Philharmonic. We're hearing a piece by Michael Rodriguez, and it's called A Trip to the Moon. This is scene 39, a high point, and then COVID. After the expansive and groundbreaking 2017-18 season, with the following summer trips to Brazil, China, Vail, Korea, Palestine, and especially the New York City Parks concert, the 2018-19 season started off with renewed energy and new leadership. As I mentioned in the preceding chapter, Gary Padmore took on the directorship of the New York Philharmonic Education Department and began to look in new directions for community engagement. This is a welcome turn of events, as our orchestra really needed to include the people of New York in a much more intimate way, with us listening to them and our responding to their needs and creative input. Gary quickly became fluent and brilliant in all these areas, and of course I heartily approved of these ideas as the VYC should be, and always has been, in the thick of our community, whether of New York City or elsewhere, aided substantially by the Philharmonic's unique status of world leadership. Also brought in was a new manager of the Philharmonic Schools, Jeannie Oliver Critara, who brought new vigor into that vital program, and as before, Jessica Mays was invaluable and greeted the new department and helped it hit the ground running. Amy Leffert and Mandy Decker continued their crucial work with ever-increasing skill and dedication. Amy, in particular, became a prime mover in developing scripts and imagining visuals. What an amazing department it was becoming. The publicity surrounding the 2018 Parks concerts was considerable and ongoing. Again, special thanks to the teaching artists who worked with and encouraged these girls, Angelica Negron and Justin Hines. Ah, also NPR, NBC TV, and many other news stories followed. Once more, I credit Adam Crane's initiative in helping with these connections. I took Cameron's Harlem Shake with me to Brazil, where I conducted it with the Sao Paulo Youth Orchestra, and later with the Helsinki Philharmonic. New York City's new billboards on every other block surprisingly featured, quote, New York City fact number 628, two 11-year-olds from Brooklyn composed music for the New York Philharmonic Orchestra, unquote. But perhaps of even more importance was the demand for more performances by VYC kids of chamber groups and even the full Philharmonic and other orchestras. Jessica and I took on the welcomed extra burden of having a VYC child present a work on each young people's concert. Not only that, but one of Deborah Borda's many innovations included a new series called Fill the Hall, spelled P-H-I-L, Fill the Hall, with tickets priced at $5 and oriented toward bringing New York City workers, teachers, police, firemen, and transport workers. Along with the community emphasis, new works by two VYC kids from New York, Mac and Nilomi, 
were featured and the whole conducted by music director Jaap van Sveden. The choosing of students' works to be performed at these high-visibility venues was an involved and often daunting process. As with most any program, the, quote, best and brightest, unquote, will come to the fore, yeah. And yes, we needed poster children to help publicize, fund, and spread the program. I mean, after all, just look at the rise of Gustavo Dudamel out of El Sistema and what his fame, along with many others, did to vault El Sistema into a vast international network involving millions of children. Hmm? It is this dilemma that Jessica and I were daily addressing. We urgently needed the VYC to remain a program whereby every child can realize her, his creativity, not just the privileged, the gifted, and the talented. And yet, so many factors needed to go into the selection of the right child for the right occasion, including musical readiness, willingness to communicate and to do the work, ability to meet deadlines, cultural diversity, parental support is helpful, and the psychological strength of the child to do some public speaking. But hey, let's not get carried away with this, okay? Let's remember that the child is always more important than the program. We all know how eccentric and unpredictable artists and composers can be, right? I mean, look at history, for heaven's sake. <laughs> In fact, I look at myself and my problems with deadlines. And this is dealing with adults, not 12-year-olds. Sometimes a great deal of patience and persistence are required to empower the child to express the creativity within. Some parents are even resistant to having their child be presented in public. Numerous times have I had to call or even talk in person and negotiate with the parent or guardian the difficulty of which alone now requires extensive legal clearance. Aye. The diversity issue has generally not been a problem for us because, as I've repeatedly pointed out, some of the least advantaged and non-European European children write the most amazing music. And then, too, it must be noted that even the VYC is not a guarantee of a child's enrichment and gain in self-esteem. True, the vast majority of VYCers experience positive effect on their lives, the realization of leadership, the rise in grade point averages, and so forth, as has been documented. But a few instances of students who had trouble handling the public attention and exhibiting behavioral issues force us to be cautious and caring of each child. Crucial in all of these concerts are the teaching artists, the ones who are in the trenches with the children. I must say in all humility that these TAs have not only performed their tasks admirably, putting themselves on the line and even at self-sacrifice, but they have guided and developed the foundational structure of the program far beyond what I had originally conceived. In 2018, in New York City alone, there were 25 VYC teaching artists and associate TAs working in New York City public elementary schools and in the middle school composers' bridge programs. And all, all of them are highly respected professional composers. 
But even this does not include some 150 teaching artists abroad who employ or are inspired by VYC techniques. Without requiring our TAs to get a degree in child psychology, the New York, Finnish, Korean contingents in particular still ask us for more professional guidance in handling especially adolescent issues and problems. Since in our field, working with classes of such young kids on this intensive musical level and exposure is unprecedented, they, the teaching artists, have had to help us write the book, not only musically, but in classroom management and emotional care. In this regard, I've always found the Phil Schools program, formerly called the School Partnership Program, to be a welcome source of wisdom and advice. I early on advocated for my TAs to attend the fall retreats of the Phil Schools whenever they could, and I personally, myself, have taken part in almost every one of them since they began more than 25 years ago. Some of the original teaching artists, nurtured by Eric Booth and Maxine Green, have been powerful in VYC development. Doc Wallace, Paula Pristini, Justin Hines, Rachel Shapiro, Tanya Vidic, Wendy Law, and so many others. Recently, Gary and Jessica even arranged for payment for our VYC teaching artists to attend those schools' retreats. A welcome inducement and unanimously applauded and enjoyed. They also initiated monthly PD, or professional development, sessions often featuring professionals in the field of child psychology. Okay, so with all these considerations and tender care of our young ones, we still had to find kids, regular public school kids, who would come up with a prodigious body of results musically. I knew they could, but where and how could we generate this diamond mine of natural creativity? I know. In about 2015, and even before, with the aforementioned New York Chamber Music Festival at Symphony Space, we had instituted a program of summer commissions on a shoestring budget, which I pushed through because I hated the idea of our wonderful VYC kids sitting on their composing thumbs. Do you compose with your thumbs? I think sometimes I do. <laughs> anyway, not composing from the end of June until classes would begin again six months later? No. Again, for heaven's sake, I myself as a composer needed a structure, deadlines, musicians, venues to properly get down to work. Could I expect these 10 to 13-year-olds to be somehow more superhuman than my professional colleagues and myself? Besides, I wanted to hear what was in their minds. As it turned out, the summer commissions provided an excellent source of music that kids wrote completely on their own on the promise that we would find a performance for them in the fall. Without a budget, I usually arranged out of my own pocket for a venue at my church, St. Paul and St. Andrew on the west side of Manhattan, and I paid the musicians whatever I could afford. Ach, mein Gott in Himmel, the wonderful pieces and sketches that resulted in this activity not only thrilled us, but provided ample creative material already consummated for us to work with the kids as they orchestrated their works 
or as they transcribe them for professional ensembles. Now, always remember that I regard orchestration as an essential element to any musical work. This is why we in the VYC never ask a teaching artist to arrange a composition for a student. Sure, the TA could do it expertly and quickly, but what would that prove? And besides the fresh fingerprint of a child's own orchestration, even if not always quote-unquote correct, has shown me more times than I could possibly count of exciting new ways of treating our valued village of musical instruments. Speaking of village of musical instruments, another source of raw musical material arose out of our pre-concert activities, as I've mentioned, before the young people's concerts on the grand promenade of the Philharmonic's Hall. I loved those casual pre-concerts performed by four or five Philharmonic musicians and freelancers who would often see the parts first the morning of the performance. The atmosphere was experimental, open, and always exciting. From 2011 to about 2016, we performed out on the promenade at least three, four, or five kids' pieces each time. Bill Gord and I would even let them vote to choose which instruments they wanted to use. Since we had no trouble finding eager Philharmonic musicians, TAs, and freelancers who loved working with the kids. The rehearsals in particular were a great joy for me. Since it was an opportunity for the child to try out new ideas, to listen to the results as the musicians played them, and they could decide whether it was the way they wanted it to be played. The performers, <laughs> amazingly, were invariably happy to show all kinds of facts and techniques of their instrument. But most of this has been covered back in scene 31. The relevant point here is that these pre-concerts became material for the increased opportunities for orchestral performances of children's music. Then in 2017, we experimented with having the VYC portion of the pre-concert kid zones on the main stage of what was now being called Geffen Hall instead of out on the promenade. Bill Gord and I appreciated the onstage format and the focused attention it afforded away from the carnival-like atmosphere of the outer promenade but the trade-off was that it was out of the center of activity, and despite our efforts, many audience members were unaware of our pre-concert. A big question. One of the things I liked was the opportunity for audience participation this way. I would invite two or three kids to come up and conduct the professional ensemble. Amazing! Four- and five-year-olds would actually come up and squeal with delight at conducting, say, Leonard Bernstein's New York, New York, at whatever tempo or dynamic they wanted. Hilarious! Also, transformational. One anecdote I can't resist was that when I invited John Adams to come to one of these pre-concerts, as his own 70th birthday was being celebrated by the Philharmonic, I mean, he is, after all, arguably the finest contemporary orchestral composer around, right? John sat during that performance, pre-concert, open-mouthed, through three girls' works, Mondriana Villegas, 
Mia Micic, and the 10-year-old Jordan Millar. All three girls had composed vital, fun, yet sophisticated music for the ensemble. Again, I, I could spend pages describing the delights of each girl's piece. When Jordan came on to introduce her work, John rushed up afterward and said to me, quote, Either she will be a great composer or run for president. Another venue, of course, were the bridge in-class visiting instrumental classes. Starting around 2011 or so, we've been blessed by eager appearances in our bridge classes by world-class ensembles, soloists, and composers. All right, maybe you don't need me to run down a whole list of names and groups, but I'll just mention briefly the Jack Quartet, Mivos, Ethel, Parhelion, Hotel Elephant, and composers from John Corleano and Chris Rouse to Caroline Shaw, Julia Wolfe, Missy Mazzoli, Anna Klein, Jesse Montgomery. Wow. I mean, I could write pages about each one of them and how they related to and how they inspired the Bridge Kids. And that brings us to the fateful day in March 2020 when the entire world changed.